1: Good evening, folks. It's time for your Friday evening edition of "It's News to Us," our daily podcast, taking a look at the day's top stories. And our top story today is the top story uh, that we had on Thursday, uh, that dealing with the uh, shooting downtown, that fairly prominent um, shooting downtown. And the good news is, Richmond Police actually and Rico Police made pretty quick uh, work of that of that incident, uh, making an arrest not far after. Uh, the shooting took place,
2: and that's really kind of what we mentioned yesterday. Because we mentioned that there are an abundance of cameras in the area, and you said, "Well, they'll probably make uh, police will make quick work of this." And and you know, it took a collaboration of police departments, but there was quick work involved.
1: Well, and and if you think about it, in a lot of areas, you know, if you were just going down the street, it'd still be the state police uh, still be still be excuse me, let me word this quickly, the same police department. Whereas in Richmond, you only go a little ways down Broad street all of a sudden you're in a different right, right. Yeah, you know so um so when Rico police actually uh, received uh, the notice that they were that Richmond police were looking for this vehicle and arrested um an eighteen year old from the city you know shortly after the incident took place um they had located the car in in the county and right. um detained the guy in Richmond police have charged him with. Well, just wounding and other charges are obviously pending as you had one person killed and one person wounded.
2: Right. And I know that they said in the release that VCU police also chipped in. I would imagine their cameras were a big help.
1: I, I imagine. So given the location, I think VCU chipped in primarily because that was right where the incident basically Because right, in exactly. Because there isn't any VCU property right there. It's not far from VCU. But right. it's it's not it's not a a VCU with the exception of the VCU building. It's not VCU. You know right, right, what is right. traditionally considered to be VCU. So
2: yeah. I mean it's okay. the very fringes of the Monroe Park campus there. So
1: all of the jurisdictions involved involved there. Well, not only yeah Monroe Park. I was going to say no. I was I was saying MCV is a little bit further down. Yeah. You were talking about Monroe Park. I was getting my my VCU campuses mixed up. Yeah, yeah.
2: But, but all but the that's, discussion. It's more downtown the MCV campus. Right, right. All the discussion of the
1: different jurisdictions reminds me of when I covered um covered inauguration up in DC. And depending on where I stood, I was either um either in the jurisdiction of um park police, mm-hmm. capital P- police, metro police, right. metropolitan police, right. or or U.S. Capitol police, That's crazy. It just yeah. all, all, depending on exactly where you were standing. Yeah, and possibly Secret Service, depending on where you were. So, right, just, right. but, but it shows you the jurisdiction. They all play very nicely together, as as Richmond <laughs> police were were, were were stressing there. Um, it's not
2: a competition. They're all working for the same goal. Right. Exactly. So,
1: but uh, an 18-year-old uh, Javaris Turner was arrested. Um, and the, the person was identified, uh, it was a 36 year old man from the city who was shot. They did not say what led up to it. They did not release any details, uh, but yeah, did but say, they're did, thinking
2: it was a targeted shooting,
1: not a random shooting. They didn't, they didn't say, they didn't okay. say it wasn't random, but they didn't say it was random. And my guess is, is that if it was random, they would have, you know, would have
2: made note of maybe that. had a lockdown of campus or something like that guys yeah, yeah. picking off people at random.
1: Yeah, yeah Exactly. Exactly um so um but again that 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 was pretty quickly taken care of speaking of police department state police uh say they'll have additional troopers out on Sunday for people who who don't know obviously sunday is super bowl sunday i would be surprised if anyone didn't know it was super bowl sunday <laughs> um but they'll have additional people out just uh just because drinking and driving do in fact go up around the game um yep. You wouldn't think that it does, but yeah. Then again, you know, a lot of people having parties, going out, drinking around the game. It's not, you know, it's not tremendously surprising, right?
2: And the danger wouldn't change if, um, you know, I don't think it's ever going to happen. But a lot of people are saying, well, the Super Bowl should be on Saturday night instead of Sunday night. So yeah, the danger is still going to be there no matter what night it is. Yeah, I
1: think I think you might even see a little less drinking on a Sunday night game as compared to a Saturday game, but still. They do see an increase in drinking around. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not doubting their stats. In fact, they're also
2: going to see an increase of people calling off work on Monday. Too. Yeah,
1: exactly. Especially if you're in Philadelphia or Kansas City, but that's right
2: there. or fans of fans of those We're teams, fans of both somewhere else in the country.
1: Yeah, um, but um, I, I will say the state police uh, did say that half of all fatal accidents around the Super Bowl in 2020, the the last pre-COVID Super Bowl. Um, was uh were drinking and driving related um and they had 36 drunk driving crashes around the super bowl last
2: year in, in the Commonwealth. that was the the kansas city chiefs win in that super bowl. yes that was the that was the
1: chiefs that was the chiefs 49ers yeah, yeah. it was the 2019 season but the 2020 super bowl i do remember right, right. that uh, fairly fairly clearly right
2: before the world shut down yeah. yeah
1: and then then three weeks later four weeks later you know yeah. everything was done sports were done Uh yes. <laughs> so no more sports so moving moving on from there, you actually handled the general assembly stuff today. Um, yeah. The ACLU talking about some some of the stuff that they're pursuing. What exactly is the ACLU um, discussing in regards to the assembly session, which has has slowed down in pace a little bit because we're yeah. at budget time now.
2: And it was predictably so that it slowed down, as you predicted. I think as well, right after crossover, these kind of uh, you, kind of the proceedings get bogged down as their budget negotiations get underway. But uh, what the ACLU did, and I kind of stumbled upon this because I was on Twitter and I noticed that there was a conversation going on uh, regarding what has been going on with bills that they've been following all throughout session. They covered a lot of things. But one of the most interesting things that they covered is uh, one of the uh, one of the bills that they're tracking. They say it was a really good chance of uh, of passing this year. It passed the Senate. It was originally a Senate bill. Uh, I believe sponsored by Dave Marsden, I think. And uh, it's made it past the Senate. It's it's in the House now. Um, It's uh, a bill that would create a uh, independent ombudsman's office that's appointed by a committee of stakeholders of the Virginia Department of Corrections to have some oversight over that agency. There is no, currently no oversight of the State Department of Corrections. Um, and uh, the ACLU policy strategist Sean Winetto was saying, well, they've got, you know, 10,000 people, over 10,000 people work there. They have 25,000 inmates in their system. Their budget's $1.5 billion a year, and they basically have no oversight. So, and he says lawmakers seem to be supporting this. They all throughout the process of the bill moving through the General Assembly, they haven't lost a vote on it. And uh what this would do is it would, you know, serve as an oversight of the, the whole uh Department of Corrections. And um um what was I gonna say? Oh, um um well, let me let me interject. No, here. go right ahead. Let me back say,
1: well, we're talking about the Department of Corrections, and and when you say they don't have oversight, I mean obviously there is a department. Uh, there is a corrections sure. chief and the governor as an executive right. agency. There there is that oversight. Right. Um. But also, I think. And but it's I don't, not an independent. Right. Independent. Yeah. Um. This would not cover. I don't believe. Okay. The regional, not the regional, but the county and locality jails mm-hmm. because they are separate from the entities, state entities run by constitutional officers right right um which okay the reason i say that is because we've had all the discussion recently about the richmond, the, jail. the richmond jail yeah. I, that while That's the Ombudsman would would deal with the department of corrections Right. For people who are thinking, hey, maybe this will take a look at the Richmond jail.
2: N- yeah. I don't. These believe- are state state prisons. Yeah, I don't believe that those state- two things would be connected. Right. These are state run prisons. Right. And um, what I was going to say is, you know, oh, Sean Winetta was saying that a lot of lawmakers get these letters of concern about, you know, kind of the condition of the inmates, condition of maybe some of the behavior of the staff. Um, at some of these uh, jail facilities and they don't know what's truth from what's, you know, because some of these people write letters like, you know, my, you know, my son or daughter or my husband or wife have been in there for 30 years. Can you please get them out? Because there's you no know, usually if if a letter is written to a lawmaker regarding a prisoner, it's usually with these, you know, self-serving uh, purposes to get that person out of jail. Yeah. So they don't know if it's true or if it's you know. So they, they they just need to know, and then they want to have an independent ombudsman to 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 figure that out.
1: Yep. Yeah, un- understood. Um, much lighter topic after we talk about jails. Right. Um, you talked to a Virginia Tech expert on flowers and valentine's day.
2: <laughs> yeah, it was an interesting thing because as you can imagine, we talked about the Super Bowl happening right before the world shut down in 2020 when your Chiefs won over the 49ers. Um, but uh that, you know, the flower industry at that point was going great and probably the Valentine's Day of 2020 was going great, but then the world shut down and she was saying that, you know, people lost their jobs like any other industry. Um, the growers who supply the flowers had nowhere to distribute their flowers because there were no events happening. No weddings were taking place. No funerals were taking place. There were no meetings taking place that would have like a set of flowers up at, you know, on a table or something. That that wasn't happening either. So all these flower growers uh, were ending up burning all their flowers because they had nowhere to sell them. So gradually the floral industry had gotten better after 2020 and it did really well last year. And it was probably in correlation to people getting out after, you know, after vaccines were widely available. And this year uh, Barbara Leshin, who is the uh, professor of floral design at Virginia Tech is saying that it looks like, uh, you know, floral, um, business will be at pre-pandemic levels. Now I asked her about inflation because the prices of everything is, is pretty, is pretty much uh, affecting a lot of items. And she said, it's not going to cost you much more for flowers this year than it did last year. So it's not affecting flowers as much as maybe some, some other things. Another interesting thing about this is that um, the business of selling flowers is, Skewing older, so they don't. You the sellers or the buyers? No, the like the sellers, um, no, the buyers, the flowers. So, they're trying to get more young people interested in buying flowers. So, they're like, TV doesn't really work because you know, you got to go to market the your product to where the young people are, and they're doing a lot of stuff. I'm not sure exactly how they're doing it. But they're doing a lot of maybe have a TikTok account. The floral industry has a TikTok account. Yeah. Snapchat account to try to get young people interested in flowers. Yeah. So
1: you're going to do flowers doing weird dances on TikTok. I right?
2: guess so. I don't know. But he's
1: he says that knowing full well that most of the TikToks he sees doesn't have weird dances. It's just, you know. No. that's he, just but uh, Making the, the old, old person joke. Generalizations.
2: <laughs> he says, you know, Facebook, uh, that doesn't work because that trend's older too. Right. Exact,
1: exactly. Exactly. Um You mentioned burning the, the the flowers. I just had a quick question. Were they actually
2: quite literally burning the flowers? That's what it, that's what she said. Yeah. They just they had nothing to do with the flowers. They would think that the sellers of these flowers and they're from other countries, too. I mean, Some come from South America or whatever. And you think they'd want to give them to people they know. But no, yeah. they just set them on fire.
0: Sorry. I don't
2: understand the reasoning behind that, but maybe there's just too many that you don't know what to do with.
1: Interesting. And you know what? I wasn't going to bring up the final story. We, uh, we, we did, but since we've mentioned COVID now twice, yeah. I might as well mention the final this story, because it dealt with COVID. Yeah. Um, the uh, UVA health talked a little bit about um, the fact that the CDC has added the COVID-19 vaccine to the recommended schedule of vaccines.
2: Okay. Um, it's like this, the flu shot.
1: Yeah. This doesn't mean that you're required to get the COVID, no. COVID-19 COVID
2: vaccine. It you're is not the, required to get the flu shot either. Yeah,
1: the CDC is not saying that. No. What they do is they put that on there and governments and other places say, hey, you know, I'm going to use this to set my schedule. This is what we recommend. This is what we're going to require, blah, blah, blah. It's on that recommended schedule and they're going to be recommending it you know, on a, at least once, and probably you'll see it on a on a yearly basis. Yeah. But they felt it was a good idea, especially even for kids going into school, because it is a virus that does impact kids. It's not the, you know, it, the worst problems aren't with kids, but it is a disease that can be lessened with a vaccine. And so they were recommending
2: that. So. Right, right. And this really comes as no surprise, because you know, we're recommended every year, we're never required, we're recommended every year to get a flu shot. And where did that originate? That originated 100 years ago during the, the flu pandemic.
1: Yes, during, during yes, exactly. And, and and we, we've been trending this way for a while. I mean, this was always going to be expected. I'm sure that there are people who oppose the vaccine. You can find them online, it doesn't take much work to find them online, yeah. um, and won't get the vaccine. It's just what's recommended. So. Yep. Yeah. So anyway, so that it was a fairly newsy, not a heavy newsy day, but a fairly newsy yeah. day. No
2: time. big stories except for the arrest, but yeah. you know, a lot of a lot of stories. Yeah,
1: a lot, of, lot of lot of stories overall. Um, obviously, big game this weekend, um, Super Bowl Sunday. Don't drink and drive. State police are asking, please don't drink and drive. Um, and uh, also, the weather—it's only looking like it's supposed to be raining for the most part. So cold, rainy, not seventy degrees as it is now, but you know, <laughs> we'll get we'll get. We'll get through the weekend fine, and then it'll hopefully warm back up
2: uh, next week. Right, and The weather will be a roller coaster for a while.
1: Okay. And, and we'll start to see the General Assembly yell at each other again pretty soon when the budget talks will get underway. We'll get yeah. back into that uh, on Monday as well. Yeah. So for the Friday evening edition of It's News to Us, he's Jeff Stapleton. I'm Matt Demline. We'll talk to you on Monday.